Let me tell you all about Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. It's simple and intuitive, and it's got a clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest manner. Let me tell you why I like Robinhood. Other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks per trade, but Robinhood does not charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. And there are easy-to-understand charts and market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. And you can learn by doing. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks and track favorite companies with your personalized news feed. And there are custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. And now, Robinhood is giving you a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at jimrome.robinhood.com. That's jimrome.robinhood.com. Do it right now. I can't feel the left side of my body like I can't even raise my arm I got I, I, it's so dangerous like I'm, I'm, I'm a no help to the team he's like all right we'll go tell Skip I'm like you go tell Skip <laughs> I was like, I was like I'm so scared so I go down and I'm like hey Skip I really can't move my left side of my body he's like tell Gino to put Mark Pimps in he's like and one more thing he's like never ever interrupt me again when I'm smoking What's up, everybody? Jim Rome with the Jim Rome Podcast, F56. My guest is the man, the myth, the legend, the freaking mayor himself, Sean Casey. There is nobody like Sean Casey. And with the World Series underway and the Dodgers and Red Sox, the last two teams standing, there was no better time to run down one of the best dudes ever. And there's no better spot to do it than on the pod where we can just kick back, crack open a couple of mics, turn back the clock, and let Case go. Sean Casey was a three-time All-Star, a career 302 hitter over 12 years in the bigs, the 1999 Hutch Award winner. He's currently in Boston and part of MLB Network's World Series coverage, which includes MLB Tonight, before and after every game. And of course, he is the president of the Miracle League of the South Hills, an amazing organization that he started in 2008 in his hometown of Pittsburgh that offers wheelchair-accessible baseball facilities that lets all kids play the great game of baseball. Every conversation I have with Sean Casey is amazing. This one, believe me, certainly is no different. In fact, it's better than all the rest. So pot up, F56 gets started right now. Sean, it is so good to have you long form of the podcast. I appreciate you so much. Before before we get to story time with Sean Casey, we got to talk World Series. First of all, how's your day going? Uh, Roby, it's going great, man. I'm out here out here in Boston. It's a little little chilly, but uh, you know, man, it's, uh, the World Series got off to a really good start. It got off to a great start, especially for the Red Sox. But, John, take a step back. You played in the 06 World Series, and as a pro athlete, you know you want to measure yourself against the very best on the biggest stage. So starting right there, how different was playing in the postseason, and then how different was it to play in the World Series itself than the regular season? You know what? I mean, the postseason, my first postseason was, you know, I was fortunate. I got traded from the Pirates to the Tigers in 06, and, you know, with, with, with you know Verlander was one of our best starters, and Kenny Rogers, and who just was a really good team. And that uh, was my first time in the postseason. And I can remember going into Yankee Stadium for Game One with a team that you know they were loaded with. It seemed like there was an All Star in every position, and you know we were the underdogs coming in. And I remember Leland just giving a speech before we went out there, like after our workout day, and you know, all the media was gone, and he, we, we 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 gathered around this table, and he was like. You know what, guys? This is one of, the, one of my favorite teams I've ever had. 
we're going to come in here and we're going to beat these guys. And we're going we're gonna to let them know, you know, I think he, he was saying the one thing is that we can respect these guys. Well, we should respect them because they're the Yankees. He goes, but we can't fear anybody. We can't fear anybody out here. And we're going to come into these guys and we're going to win this series and we're going we're gonna to get to where we need to get to. And I remember, like, I remember that was my first moment of the, of the postseason, just thinking to myself, man, this is different. This is different. Like, you play 162 to get here. That's why, you're, that's why you do everything you do all year long to try to get to the postseason. And here it was, my ninth year in the big leagues, and I had never been to the postseason. So, you know, I know after that meeting with Leland, I really, I think all of us felt like we wanted to run through a brick wall. And then we came out the next day and, and uh, you know, getting those intros at Yankee Stadium just coming out. The place was packed. It was old Yankee Stadium in 06. And, and uh, the air was different. It was a little chilly. Uh, it just the adrenaline was different. Everything was different about you know the postseason. We ended up winning the division series, and then we won the, the championship series. But when you get to the World Series and you're announced there to come out, there's so many emotions that go through your mind just because obviously it's, it's different. Because I remember it was really cold in Detroit for Game One, and and uh, the plate the the, the 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 city was on fire as every city that makes it postseason is. Uh, you know, just the the, the nerves were greater. And, you know, everything was – all your senses were elevated. And I just remember coming into that World Series, uh, and it was a feeling I never felt before. And it was the first time I really felt like, wow, you know, during the regular season, you really got to get a hold of your adrenaline and really get a hold of your, uh, you know, go pitch by pitch. But here being so elevated in that adrenaline, I remember having to take – some extra deep breath to really kind of get things under control. What a great description, Case. So you look at what happened last night, and it was cold in Boston. It's going to be cold again tonight. L.A., Sean, clearly did not play their best game. Let me ask you this. Does L.A.'s best beat Boston's best, in your opinion? Wow, that's a great question, and Romy. I look at this, well, I feel like they line up so evenly. You know, even though I think the rotations that David Price is, is what he was that last game against Houston – you know, they have him go in Kershaw sale first. And then, you know, I think the rotations match up well. I think the bullpens match up pretty well. I, you know, I think that the Boston's bullpen's a little different than, than uh, you know, what Dave Roberts has to work out, work with, with, with the Dodgers. I think the lineup for the, I think the lineup for Boston is a, well, it can hit you a little faster. I think the lineup for the Dodgers and the bench is deeper. I think you have, you know, guys that can, that can hurt you. Uh, more on the on the Dodgers bench, how Dave Roberts mixes the matches, especially with having such a righty heavy bullpen for the Dodgers. I mean, for the Red Sox, that you know Roberts is going to bring in Muncie and he's going to bring in Peterson. He's, you know, he's going to bring in the Grandall, and if he's not playing Bellinger, you know, Bellinger will come in too, like he did in Game One. So, you know, I don't know. I go I go up and down, and I look at the defense of, of the Red Sox with that outfield, how much ground they covered, and how Fenway's a little different. I just I think they match up well, man. This is an evenly matched team. Uh, you know, evenly matched teams, you know, and I think it's going to be a back-and-forth series. I mean, game one, the Dodgers didn't play, you know, maybe their best baseball, but that could have they could have won that game easily had Nunez not coming in the seventh and, you know, hit the three-run bomb to kind of open it up. Sean, one thought about Manny Machado. He had a good game last night, I thought, both with the bat and also with the glove. But he has had a pretty interesting postseason, right, ranging from some of the incidents with the Brewers to him saying that he's not going to be, quote, Johnny Hustle, quote, yeah. it's not my cup of tea. I mean, Sean, do you have an issue with that? Is that a guy you'd want to play with, or does his productivity outweigh everything? I, you know what? I, I, I guess kind of being an old school guy, Romy, like the Johnny Hustle thing bothers me a little bit because I, you know, I just remember, you know, Dave Collins, you know, was one of my favorite coaches ever. I remember him telling me when we were at spring training, if you can't give your teammates four seconds down the line, you don't deserve to be wearing a uniform. And I always stuck with me, like if you ground out of the pitcher, like give us, give us some effort, you know, like. 
don't give us a jog. I know it's a long season, but give us some effort. Respect the game. The game. The game's not bigger. No player is bigger than the game of baseball. And I think I always felt like when you hustle and you play the game hard, you're always respecting the game and the guys that have come before you and all those, you know, 19,000 players that have gone out there and across the lines. Because one thing I've learned about baseball, you know, once you once you leave the game, no one cares. You know, and once once you're done playing, no one really cares. And, and once you walk away, no one remembers you anyhow. You know what I mean? So, like, play the game hard, play it right. I always just felt that way. But, you know, I look at Manny Machado, man, and this guy's a gamer, man. He could play. I mean, he, he, he's a gap-to-gap hitter. He's a clutch player. He could play shortstop, gold glove, third base. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy. You know, you don't get too many, uh, you know, solid up-the-middle players that could be franchise players. So I look at Manny Machado, I, you know, I really think – when Seager went down and they decided to bring Machado in, I don't know if the Dodgers are you know, without having that, the presence of Machado and, and what he brings to that lineup. All right, Case. Game two tonight. It's going to be a big one. Dodgers need this. It seems to me that if the Red Sox win, it's not just a case of them holding serve and taking care of their responsibilities at home. Then L.A.'s got to go back and win four out of five against a team that won 108, so it's going to be tough. Now, let's do some story time. Let me ask you this, Case. Like, for instance, my 13-year-old plays travel ball right now, and sometimes, Sean, when a kid doesn't run that well and hits a shot to right, you hear the defense or the coach yelling, <laughs> one, 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 and then you see some kid get hosed by the right fielder at first. It'll happen, but I've never seen a kid get hosed on a shot to left. <laughs> However, Sean, I once saw it happen to a major leaguer, and it happened in Detroit in 06, and incredibly enough, Case, it was you. What happened that day? Oh, man, isn't that funny? I mean, I look back, I can laugh at it now. It wasn't that funny back then. But I remember Jim Tomey coming up to me the next day and go, like, literally, like, a big brother gave me a hug. He's like, Case, it could have happened to anybody. And I'm like, yeah, Jim, but it happened to me. Everyone already thinks I'm a kind of feeling. And then I got a 5-7-3, you know, actually. You know, it's unbelievable. But we're playing the White Sox. We're in the middle of a pen race with them. I think we're a game up on them or something like that or, 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 or two. And, and uh, at the time, my first at bat, we're facing John Garland, and I hit a missile to left center, right? And Brian Anderson, it turned out to be the play of the day. I had the play of the day and the unplay of the day, right? So right. Brian Anderson's in the gap, lays out full-fledged, probably catches it. I'm like, man, that was a bullet, you know? And, you know, there's a little bit of a pity party. You're like, that's so frustrating, you know? I hit a ball hard in the big leagues, get a tough pitch, and I'm, and I'm out on a great play, right? So my second at bat had come up, and I think we were losing like 8 to nothing at the time. I can't remember, but I know we were losing. And, you know, it, wasn't a, it was a day game, and, and a good little wrestlessness with the Tiger fans at the time. I get another sinker from Garland. I don't even know if we have a hit at the time. So I hit a bullet to Joe Creedy at third. Just a, you know, I covered it. I let it travel. Wham! Hit a shot. Joe Creedy jumps up, and he catches the ball, right? So, and he almost kind of looks at it, I felt like, you know. And, you know, you're not hustling out a line out. You know, there's no time you're like, oh, I lined out. Let me hustle all the way down the line. You know? Right. So, you know, I hit a bullet, and I'm like, oh, man. And now I'm like two bullets, two outs. I'm so, I'm so pissed. So I go to walk off, and as I'm walking off, the crowd goes crazy, right, Romy? They're like, they go nuts. And I'm looking, I'm kind of looking around like, is there a fight? You know, <laughs> I'm just something here. Why is the crowd going crazy? Well, what happened was I was walking back to the dugout, and that changed my angle. And what I saw was now I could see behind Creedy. Because when he first went up to get it, the ball kind of fell behind him, and my angle, I didn't see the ball. But as I walked three feet to the left, I realized, oh, my God, he didn't catch it. And Pablo Ozuna's picking it up in the outfield. Right? So now it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, if we were just doing a contest and you rolled it to Pablo Zuno and left and I just was at home plate and said, all right, go. You know, and, and that's what it was. And what was so, you know, a side story of the whole thing was 
Scott Pacetic usually plays left because uh, we had a lefty going that day. Pablo Zuna was playing left, who I think probably has the strongest arm in the big leagues. Ozzy Keenan and I were talking about, he's got like an 80 arm, which is like the highest. I'm like, oh, man, he, the backup shortstop, he would be playing left. So here I go, man. I start, I'm like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta run. Right? It's unbelievable. So I put my helmet on back on like any, you know, fast, you know, good white guy. Like, you know, with, you know, I'm take off, run, and boom, put the helmet on. I start running down the first base. And, you know, it, it, what's so frustrating when I watch myself run you know, it looks like I'm ice skating in quicksand, which right. is so frustrating. Yeah, you know, I got the you know the arms going back and forth. The the hip flexors aren't you know getting up there. There's no like it's not pretty, and I'm just like seeing myself running. Here comes Ozuna, comes up firing, bam! Ron Culver's the umpire, boom! I'm out. Place just starts booing me. It's full house, you know. Uh, you know, fifty thousand people just boo. I've never been booed like this in my life, and I'm so mad. I think I might have dropped an f bomb when I threw my helmet down, and I'm walking off, and. uh I'm so mad. I come in the dugout. Nobody says anything. I, I'm glad no one said anything. I might have fought somebody. I take a chair underneath. I dismantle the chair, right? I'm just, like, so frustrated. First 5-7-3 in the minute. It wasn't a 7-3. It was a 5-7-3. It hit Joe Creedy's glove. The Pablo's on the left. We threw me out at first. And I remember we were driving the next day. It was an off day. We were driving to Cleveland the next day after the game, and I get in the car. Three little kids. Guys are crying. Everyone's crying. I get in the car. And I'm just so, I'm like so embarrassed. You know, I'm embarrassed more than anything. I'm upset. So I get in the car and my wife says, like, uh, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with me? I was like, I'm the first player in Major League Baseball history to get thrown out from left field. That's what's wrong with me. And she's like, well, man, if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, if you can't laugh at that, what can you laugh at? I was like, I don't think that's funny. I didn't say one word there for like four hours on the way to Cleveland. So, Case, <laughs> so it, that is. It is so amazing. That is such an incredible story, and it was such an amazing thing to see. I can only imagine when you all of a sudden realize what's going on, and you're thinking to yourself, holy shit, I'm going to get thrown out from left field. Do you know what would have been awesome, though, Sean? It would have been so awesome if you got your helmet. And by the way, you had to put your helmet back on. If you had got up the line, because that was a bang-bang play, what if you had gone head first into the bag, up the line to beat it out? Oh, it, 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 well, we wouldn't be talking about it because no, I would never would have got thrown out from left. So <laughs> no one would have known that that ever happened. You know, all they know now is I'm slow. I have bad hair. I put my helmet back on. Ron Culpa rang me up at first, but I would have. Looking back, Romy, if I could get down the line right now with a little bit, little bit faster speed, dive to first base and be safe, I would absolutely love to turn back the clock. Let me talk to you about my pals at Vivid Seats. Listen, we all love a night out. doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you want to see your favorite band in concert. Maybe you want to go to a game. Maybe you want to go to a show. Whatever it is, you want to get out and you want to see it live. That's where my pals at Vivid Seats come in. With Vivid Seats, you can watch your favorite team. You can watch your favorite artist perform in person. Again, nothing is better than seeing it live. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concert, theater, and more. With the podcast code Rome, you can receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app. First-time customers can enter the promo code Rome and get 10% off their order. So you want to move on that right now. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Once again, Vivid Seats has it all. Just download the app, enter the promo code Rome, get 10% off your first order, and you are all set with Vivid Seats. 
set this record straight. Whenever a guy goes into first base, head first, it's always like, oh, he wants it so badly. Is it false hustle? Do you not? If you run through the bag, isn't there a greater chance you'll be safe? Or do you like that play? I only like that play. I mean, you know, I, the only time you ever like that play is if, you know, when you're running down the first, you're taught as a player, like, make sure you're, 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 you're looking at the base, but, you know, look at the, look at the, the first baseman's feet. If he elevates and, and you feel like he can, he's not elevating, you know, if he starts to go up and it's going to be a bang-bang play, then you get down. Because if he goes up and has to come down to tag it and now you're not standing up, you're probably going to be, you know, you're probably, you'll probably have a good chance to be safe. That would be the only time I would say dive head first to, to first base. But the other times, man, I think it's more dangerous than anything. Is right. Head first, you're, you know, you're rolling down the base. And if it's a bang-bang play, I mean, you're faster running through the base. I think it's dangerous, too. I've never understood that, man. You can jam your hand. You can get stepped on. And to me, it looks oh, like yeah. false hustle. It's, a bad idea. it's like it's like sliding headfirst in the home when you've got a guy with catcher's equipment on, like a guy like Jason Veritek who's just dropping the thunder on you. Right. In case, <laughs> you, you mentioned Jim Leland. You played for some great managers, and Leland was certainly that. He was a great manager. A different guy, yeah. to be sure. Did you ever, back in the day, kind of kick it with Skip, fire up a Marlboro Red, maybe burn a heater with him? <laughs> you know what? I never... I know, I, I, yes, I mean on the flights we would play some we would play some poker and stuff, and I remember Skip sometimes would he, you know he'd get a heater going on the flight. I'm like I'm like Skip on the flight 2006. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes he'd smoke a couple you know pop, couple puffs, and I'm like, it's too, but we, we obviously we were you know it was it was it was not a, it was a not a commercial flight you know what I mean it was like a private sure. flight. but he'd maybe like have one or two you know not not cigarettes but maybe a couple puffs and I'm like Skip it's 2006. You can't smoke on the flight. He's like, ah, you can take a couple puffs still, you know, if you're if you're the manager of the team. But you know, one thing about Leland was great, man. He he's just one of the one of the funniest guys going. And and like, you know, I look back at I look back at you know so many times. You know, you, you, every, I think everyone knows about you know with the cigarettes and stuff. And I remember one time we're playing the um, we're playing the White Sox again for some reason. They, they keep coming into my bad stories with uh, with 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 the Tigers. But we're facing Gavin Floyd and and. Uh, and um, um, uh, he throws me a 95-mile-an-hour cutter, right? And so I like, you know, the ball's coming in on me, and I, I try to get out of the way. I get hit right in the, in the back elbow, Romy. So, like, I'm like, oh, my God, does this hurt? You know, I've been hitting so many places, but never like the back elbow where it's just like, you know, it hits you right, you know, right, on, the, right on the bone. So I remember going down, like, my body literally went numb. It must have hit a nerve. My body's so numb. I, I can't run the first base. So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, now here comes the trainer, now here comes Leland, and Leland comes back, you all right? Yeah, right. And like, I'm kind of scared. You, you, you love Jimmy because he's one of my great friends. But back then, I was like, kind of scared of him because he was like your dad. That you're like, you know, if you're in trouble, you're like, you don't want to disappoint your dad. You know. Right. So he's like, hey, can you go? I'm like, sure, I can definitely go. I can go. So I'm like, so I go to run down to first, almost eat it, like you know, with the next step because I literally can't feel the right side of my body. So like somehow like mangle my way down to first, and I'm, there's two outs. So I'm thinking, okay. If I could just get through the sitting, my, my, my left arm's going to come back. My left side, my left, left leg, left arm is going to come back, you know, at some point so I can play first. So sure enough, boom, the guy punches it, punches out uh, the next batter, three outs. So I come back in the dugout. Still can't feel the left side of my body. But Leland, after every inning, goes down the steps and he goes to, take, he goes to smoke a heater, right? Because that's, that's what he does. Not a lot of smoke in the dugout, but he, he's got a chair downstairs. We'll you know, get a couple of heaters off. So I go down there. I, I, I get in the dugout, and I'm so scared to talk to Leland because – when he's smoking, he has his head down on the chair, and it's like it'd be like interrupting a pit bull when he's eating like a steak or something. Like, you don't go up to the pit bull like, "Hey, bro, you think I can cut that up real quick? I got some A1 sauce over here. I want to get this." You let the pit bull alone, right? You don't come over and talk to him. So 
so I go to Gene Lamont in the dugout. I'm like, Gene, like everyone's going out to the, you know, the inning. The inning's changed. Here goes the guys. I'm wrong. I go to Gene Lamont, who's our third base coach, and he's Leland's best friend. I said, I said, Gino, I said, uh, I, I can't feel the left side of my body. Like I can't even raise my arm. I got, I, I, it's so dangerous. Like I'm, I'm, I'm of no help to the team with my, you know, it's my glove hand. There's no way I can play first base. He's like, all right, we'll go tell Skip. I'm like. You go tell Skip. I was like, I'm so scared. You tell him. He's like, ah, just go. He's like, just go tell him. So I go down and I'm like, hey, Skip. He's like, what, 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 what? What's up? I'm like, hey, I go, I knew, I thought I was okay staying in the game, but like, I thought my arm would come back, but I still can't feel it. Like, I really can't move my left side of my body. He's like, all right, he's like, all right, tell Marcus, tell Gino to put Marcus Pins in. He's like, and one more thing, he's like, Never ever interrupt me again when I'm smoking. That is the best case. Never interrupt him when he's lighting one rocket off and off another. Case you have this other. You have this other awesome story. When you were with the Reds, you went to Wrigley late one season and you knocked the Cubs out of a playoff berth. And if that weren't sweet enough, and I know it was, you literally stopped the bus to get off of it, to go into a bar, to talk shit to a bunch of Cubs fans. One of the most courageous things I've ever heard of. Sean, what happened that day? Oh, you know what, Romy? You know, it's funny because, you know, back in the day, some of our Reds teams were, you know, we were really good, but, but you know, we just our pitcher wasn't there, and the Cubs used to slap us around all the time we come to ring, you know. And that place is a big party. It's packed house. They got people on the rooftop. You know, it's like it's like it's like a big bar, really. It's just a great time. So every time we lose these guys, man, you come out and the bus would be there, pick you up, and whatever bar was on the corner there, you know, the, the, the crowd would be flicking you off. You guys suck, you know. I'm like, God, we do suck. We keep getting killed by the Cubs every time we come into Wrigley. It's unbelievable, right? So in oh, it was oh four, I believe, and I think it was a four game series, and there were I think the Marlins were. You know, if I'm remembering right, we're right there in, in the series, and, and and I think the Cubs are up half game or something. And and I remember, you know, you, you always got to worry about the teams that are out of it. And we were out of it, but we we still wanted to win because we wanted to make an impact on the playoff race. So I remember like talking to the guys, and we we, we, we all got together. So let's let's take this series seriously. Let's make sure we 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 let the Cubs know, and if we knock them out, that'll be a great thing, you know, feather in our cap. We can go on to the po- we can go into the offseason and feel good about ourselves. So I think we lose game one. But we win the next three in a row, right? Like we should, we had no business doing that. But we came back, we took it to them, some unbelievable games, right? So the so I, that mathematically knocked them out of the race with like three games to go. So I remember getting on the getting on the bus, full suit, you know, we're, we getaway day, you know, everyone's, you know, you know, probably got a pop with them on the bus, and and uh, and, and we're sitting there and look over at that bar, like no one's there, but everyone's kind of somber. You could tell, you could tell uh, we've changed everything in, in, in Chicago. Everyone's kind of bummed out, you know, that the season's going to be over. And I remember thinking, man, they're not flicking us off now. You know, it's unbelievable. So, so here we go. It's a Thursday afternoon game. It's almost 5 o'clock. I mean, if, you're, if you've ever been to Wrigley at 5 o'clock, I mean, it's, it's standstill traffic around, you know, around Wrigley Field. So we get, about, we get about four blocks away from Wrigley. We're putting along. It's taken us like probably 20 minutes to get there. And I look to the right, there's, there's a local, you know, like a, a neighborhood bar, packed house with the Cub fans. You know, it's pretty somber. A couple guys are drinking on the outside, having a couple beers. A couple people are eating some wings out of the bar. And I'm like, I don't know what, what, what came over me, but I was like just so fired up and, you know, excited about everything. We were talking about it on the bus. I went up to the bus driver and I said, hey, man, let me out. Guy's like, we're moving. We're, we're, we're moving. We can't let you out. And I'm like, you've got to let me out. And then Barry Larkin, who's in the front, like, has no idea what I'm doing. He kind of looks at me. I look at him. I'm like, tell him to let me out. 
So Barry Luckett's like, hey, let him out. So I'm like, all right. So the guy opens up the door. Here I go out the door. I'm full suit, fly into the bar. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I get right in the middle of the bar, right by, right like in the middle of everybody, and everyone's kind of quiet. They're like looking up at the TVs, and I yell, hey, all you cup fans out there, the Cincinnati Reds just kicked your butts. Like they say in Chicago, <laughs> better luck next season. <laughs> right? Next year, next year I know, like, these people, like, oh, legitimately turn on me. They're like, who's this? You know? They start running at me, and I start running out of the bar. And now people are, like, literally chasing me. And I'm, like, I, like, yell to the bus driver. I'm, like, open the door. Open the door. <laughs> like, it was like a scene from a movie. He opens the door. I go diving on, like, Dukes of Hazard, you know, like, flying across the hood. Bam, I dive on, like, land on, a, land on a step. He shuts the door. Right when he shuts the door, people, 20 dudes come out of the bar. They're pounding on the, pounding on the bus, <laughs> pounding on the bus. Like, and I get on the bus, and every one of my teammates is lined up along the windows, pounding back to these guys. And these guys are like, was that Sean Casey? Was that Sean Casey? Tell him to come out. And I'm like, I ain't going out there. Right? So it's like mayhem on the bus, mayhem outside the bus. We pull off. I end up sitting next to Barry Larkin. And he's like, he's like, he's like, Casey, sit next to me for a second. He's like, man, I've been in the big leagues 19 years. He goes, I've seen a lot of stuff. He goes, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, that's incredible. Even Larkin was feeling it. These guys were like, let him off the bus. Let him off the bus. <laughs> Get him off the bus. It was unbelievable. Hey, now, see, like, Case. Hey, what are you doing? He's like, I've never seen anybody do something like Hey, now, let me talk to you about a rock solid company, a rock solid product. Dickies, the number one brand in performance workwear, knows that work is more than just what you do. It's actually who you are. And just like pro athletes, your work is judged by how you perform on the job. That's why Dickies Flex Work Pants and Shirts are engineered to give you superior mobility, advanced protection, and enhanced durability. And Dickies Flex is backed with Dickies Unconditional Satisfaction Guarantee. So you know that the Flex Series is made to work as hard as you do. They go as hard as you do. Dickies Flex, engineered to move, engineered to last. You can learn more at dickies.com that's dickies.com now the thing is though case you you might not be able to take on the entire bar but i know you can handle yourself because because you were right in the middle of one of the great baseball brawls ever james shields and coco crisp i remember two things about that number one i remember coco coming out on shields now coco he can handle himself a little bit how do i know that oh, yeah. because even though shields telegraphed that haymaker the way coco slipped that punch and then tried to give him the hands i thought was beautiful but you were right in the middle of that what was your role and how would you approach a brawl like that <laughs> you're good Roman. you're good man i love it uh you know um you know it's funny with a brawl you kind of you kind of you know it's something's gonna something's up and i know i think coco early in the game slid hard in the second but the rays had taken exception to it so we knew something might go down so the next at bat i think shields threw one in on coco and I can remember telling everybody, all right, fellas, you know, we're the, it's like I'm William Wallace or something. I'm like, all right, fellas, everyone on the top step, it's going down. Get ready, you know. Sure enough, next pitch I think's behind Coco. And Coco was, I think, a gold glove boxer out, you know, out in California when he grew up. And so he comes flying out. And then I come flying out. The whole Here comes our dugout. comes up. And, you know, Coco comes after Shields. Shields throws an absolute haymaker. And it was like the matrix, you know, when you watch that, when you watch the replay, it was like the major Coco, like, ducks it barely. Then, bam, bam, hits him with two. Next thing you know, is mayhem. Johnny Jones is on Coco. I don't even know what was going on, but I remember, like, coming out there. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go after Shields. I'm going to get Shields, right? And so I go to go after Shields. 
And meanwhile, I run, I run right by Coco, uh, Johnny Goins bundling Coco. I'm like, I should have really gone there, but I was so focused on getting James Shields or whatever. It was the fastest I've ever run. If I ran this fast with the, when I hit the ball to left, I definitely would have been safe. You know? <laughs> the fastest I've ever run. So, so I get out there, and I'm, 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 I'm like, I go to go after Shields, right? So I'm about to go after Shields, and DeMarlo Hale, our, our third base coach, boom, he gets Shields, and, like, you know, he, like, Brock Lesnar suplex him over his head. Boom. So here I am. I'm at the now I'm, I'm I'm on the mound and I'm like I'm about to throw a haymaker like so I I like pull my fist back. Next thing I know, I'm like oh my god, there's no one to hit. <laughs> so I like come down like bam. I end up like elbowing the mound or something like just like boom. I come down like kind of hurt myself. Like I like Macho Man Randy Savage like off the top rope. Bam! I changed the punch into an elbow drop onto the mound. And next thing you know, I'm in a headlock by Justin Ruggiano. You know, and, I, and it was it just it, it went so long for me, right? Like I, I thought I was going to be this like you know William Wallace character. Next thing you know, I'm on the mound by myself, getting in the headlock, unbelievable. And I end up getting a three game suspension. <laughs> Bob Watson, I said, Bob, I didn't, I didn't even hit anybody. He goes, that arm comes back cocked, three games. I go, All right. I go, even if I even if the most damage I did was on the rubber. He's like, yep. <laughs> wow. For abusing the rubber three games. <laughs> Case. Unbelievable. Stories for days. Case, you got a million of them. You know, let, let me ask you this. It kind of aggravates me a little bit because I haven't spoken to this guy in a number of years. He used to come on the show a lot. He really liked the show and then became elusive, and I'm not sure why. I'm talking about George Brett. I mean, guys who played the game love George Brett. There really was nobody quite like George Brett. He was such an amazing player. What happened the first time you met him? Oh, man. What a, still one of the coolest stories of my life. Like, you think back to your career, you think back to your life, and, you you know, you think back to some really cool moments. And for me, it was like you know, the, the 99 All-Star game. You know, if, if you can go back in history, if, you know, if anyone's a baseball fan, to look back, I mean, I think everyone would say that was probably the coolest game ever. You know, it was, it was you know, 1999. Pedro was starting the game. It was Fenway Park. All-Century team was there. So all those – the greatest players in the world, you know, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and, you know, George Brett and Stan Musial and all these guys are all on the field. And then we're lining up on the, on the third base side and the, and the American League's on the first base side. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did I get here? Like, <laughs> I win a contest or something? Like, I must be in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Like, they're introducing me. Like, I, I'm, 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 an, I'm an all-star at this game. You guys are kidding me. And then Ted Williams comes out of right field. So it's like, Literally, it, one of the coolest things I have is I brought my video camera there and I gave it to the bat boy. And I'm like, listen, could you just record anything that comes around? Not knowing that Ted Williams is going to come out of right field. So here comes Ted Williams out of right field, right? And he comes in and he's in a, he's in a, he's in a golf cart and they bring him out and he's going to throw the first pitch out. And, and uh, you know, I have some unbelievable footage of that. Like my camera's right next to like Ted Williams. Like it, it, randomly I got this footage. So we're all so they're like, all right, you know, let's have the players join Ted Williams on the mound as he begins to throw out the first pitch. So I start to walk up, and here comes the all center team. They're walking up too, and all of a sudden I get a pat on my shoulder, and I turn around, and and, and this guy says, "Hey, Sean, I just want to introduce myself, George Brett." He's like, uh, you know, really love your swing, man. You got a sweet left-handed swing. And, and like, it was the first time, Romy, in my life, like, I was speechless. Like, I've never really been speechless before. But I was like, I, I like, I, all I could think of was like 2008, you know, the, the, the Pintar game, one of the greatest hitters ever. This guy's a gamer. This guy's, you described to be George Brett. Like, I literally didn't know what to say. I'm, I'm like, oh, it's so, so nice to meet you, Mr. Brett. I, I appreciate your time, you know, stuff like that. Like, I like, couldn't get it out. But I, I was like, 
what an idiot. You know, it's like the Chris Farley skit. Like, geez, it was stupid. I had a chance to like have a great conversation with George Brent. I just like fumbled over my words. I didn't even know what to say. And then he just, he walked off, you know, and I was like, oh, there he goes. Like, come back, George. And have a conversation <laughs> with me. Like, I need a do-over. Don't leave me do-over. If I had known you were coming, I had, I'd have some things prepared, you know? Oh, so, great. But what was cool was, what was cool was uh, like, a couple years ago, Jeter's last All-Star game, we, Greg Ams and I were doing something for MLB Network, and we asked him what your greatest moment was in the big leagues. And I swear, like, it, it, obviously there's a ton of them, but, but the one he remembered was, he goes, same thing. It was, like, so funny, the same moment. He goes, he goes 9-9 All-Star game, we're walking in for Ted Williams. He goes, and I'm, we're, we're walking in. I get a pat on my shoulder, and it's Hank Aaron. Hmm. And Hank Aaron says, hey, man, I just want to introduce myself. Hank Aaron, I love the way you play the game. Well, for Jeter to say that story and for me to have the story with George Brett in that same moment, I just thought was really cool. That's incredible. That was that 99 game. There were so many moments like that in that 99 game. Hey, Case, yeah. not to put you on the spot, but if that, that being said, and your reaction to George Brett was like that, what was cooler, meeting George Brett or meeting Eddie Vedder? <laughs> oh man, those are really, those are two two cool cool dudes, man. I mean, you know, it's funny, you know, you know, meeting Vetter for the first time. It's like, uh, you know, um, I think as a, as an athlete, you want to be a, as an athlete, you want to be a rock star. And I think rock stars want to be athletes, kind of thing. So, you know, for us, you know, obviously meeting George is one of the highlights of my career. But meeting Vetter the first time in, in '03 was you know, was really cool. Um, you know, he was. I remember coming into clubhouse. It was the end of the year we were playing the Cubs. You know, it was it was such a tough year. It was like I feel like Jason Larue and I were the only two guys that were still um, from the opening day roster. Everyone else was home. I mean, everyone else was hurt, and a lot of guys went home. There was only a few days left, and like it was one of those years where you're like, oh man, I can't wait for this year to be over. So we come in the, we come in the clubhouse one night after the game after the Cubs, and and uh, I look over in the corner and we're in the food room, and I look over in the corner and there's the Jose Cardinal sitting there with a guy with like short blonde hair. And so in the clubhouse, you obviously know if, if someone's in there because, you know, you're, you have to be a player usually or a media to be in there. So it's right after the game, and I say, who's with Cardinal, you know? Meanwhile, I come out to even flow, so I'm like, I should know it's better. But I'm like, I've never seen him with short brown hair, you know? I mean, short blonde hair. Usually I see him with the long brown hair. So they're like, that's Eddie Vedder. I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. It's so cool. So anyway, you know, a bunch of us introduced himself. Like, couldn't be a nicer guy. He's just such a great down-to-earth guy. Loves baseball. But he loves Jose Cardinal. Jose Cardinal, so when Ed was growing up in Chicago and getting the, all the bleacher sheets out there, you know, all the times he went, you know, with his uncle and his brothers, he loved Jose Cardinal. He loved his afro. He loved the way Cardinal played the game. He loved how he got after it. Everything about Cardinal. And, I, and Cardinal, obviously, was one of my favorite coaches ever. I went a few years with him in Cincinnati. Just a wonderful human being. So Ed, I guess at the time, Kerry Wood had just introduced Ed to Cardinal recently, you know, maybe a few months earlier. So, Ed came in for the game, and he was with Cardinal. So um, we're about to leave, and, you know, it was one of those things, and Jason LaRue's going to the bathroom. I think Ed was in there something to do it, and, and he says to him, hey, man, is there any chance you could play a song for us? And, and Ed's like, yeah, man. He's like, and we're like, Juan Castro just happens to have a guitar in his, in his locker, right? So we're like, you know, so he's like, listen, that's cool. Let me go, let me go uh, put my stuff in the, in the manager's office, and I'll be out. So LaRue comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, Better's going to play a song for us. I'm like, no way. That's, that's really cool. And I'm like, okay. So then, you know, sure enough, here he comes. That we set up a chair for him. He comes back out and uh, sits down, and a bunch of us sit around. And, and I remember the video guy, Nick, who's now the GM of the, of the Reds, which is which is so funny. Crazy. Back then he was the video guy. Now he's the GM. So 
Nick's like sets the camera out. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if we should take the camera. Just, you know, but he goes, ah, I was like, all right, just run it. So he runs it and better sits down and he plays, uh, you know, Hey, you've got to hide your love away. He plays the whole song for us. Right. And it, it still is one of the coolest because for us, for having such a long year, I was almost like, thank God, you know, that was six games to go. We got Eddie Vedder in our clubhouse, such a cool dude playing a song for all of us. And it, it, the year officially the year has been made for us. So, and, you know, now it's still, you know, developed a friendship with Ed over the years. You know, that was 03 and 2018. You know, that was kind of the first moment where we, like, got to know each other. And, he, you know, just even a better dude than I ever thought. Just a great guy, great friend. That is so great. You know how it is these days. You can get practically everything you want on demand, like our podcast. Listen whenever you want, whenever it's convenient for you. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer when it's convenient for you. The mail carrier will pick it all up. Just click, print, mail, and you are done. It could not be any easier. My only regret is I did not use Stamps.com sooner. Because of its convenience, because of all the time and money it saves me. I use Stamps.com for every important business correspondence I have and every personal correspondence I have. Take my word for it. And right now, use Rome and get this special offer. It includes $55 of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait on this. Again, I wish I'd done it sooner. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the very top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Once again, Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Case, before you go really quickly, a couple of things. You know, it's never been more dangerous to get up on the bump right now. The ball leaves the bat a lot faster than it comes in if you're a pitcher. I mean, you're literally taking your life into your own hands at 60 feet, 6 inches. Ask your guy, Billy Ripken. How about you soft-tossing him, <laughs> squaring it up, and crushing it right off of his grill? And my man didn't even blink. Case, what happened? Oh, oh are you kidding me? Like, so we do these demos. You know, if you watch MLB Network, we do these diamond demos all the time where, you know, you're breaking swings down. And Rip and I have done 100 of them, you know, 200 of them over the years, 10 years. And, you know, Rip's, Rip's a tough dude, man. Rip, Rip's as old school as they come. And, and uh, you know, and, and and he never has an L screen when we hit. And usually, usually I'm right on the money. You know, I can spray it wherever I want. Especially if someone's flipping a whiffle ball to me, I can shoot it. You know, all over the place. But so we're doing this demo. We're talking about JD Martinez, how good he goes to left center. Well, for some reason, Romy, the day before, I'm I'm still in Pittsburgh, and I and I say to my kids, "All right, kids." I was like, I think I was just trying to get them to do something. I'm like, "What can we do around the house? We have this huge yard." I'm like, "All right, we're gonna mulch." today guys and so I, I like i was like make no plans get ready we'll play on casey mulch day we're all gonna mulch so i go out i go to like ace hardware i get like 56 bags of mulch right we, here we go we're, we're we're taking these bags around i got my 12 year old daughter my eight year old daughter my two sons are 16 and 15 got the wheelbarrows rolling we're, we're spreading mulch all over the place right it's like unbelievable day so the next day i didn't know how taxing that was i mean next day i go to do this demo with Rip. And I go to take a swing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sore. My shoulders, my arms, my hands, everything hurts for most of 56 times a month. Right? So Rip throws me one. I kind of I, I hit one to left, but not well. Like, I feel like I don't really have it. So he's like, okay, let's do it. You ready to do it? Like, okay, let's do it, Rip. So he throws me one. He's about 10 feet away, and I'm using a real bat. And I square one up thinking I'm going to left center, and bam, I just whip one back. Boom, hits him right below the eye, right on the cheek, like, 
smokes him. And I'm I'm kind of scared of Billy Ripken. Like, if you make Billy Ripken mad, like, he might charge. Like, on a, a live show, he might have charged me right there. Like, right. I literally was scared. But I smoke him. He doesn't even flinch. Goes right back. Goes right back into the into the bucket to throw me another one. And I start laughing. Like I'm so sorry, man. It's unbelievable. And the the video goes viral. I think boom. There's like a million hits there. You know, in a day or something. Oh, it was incredible. You know, and you thought his bro was tough playing 2100 plus consecutive games. And the fact that he didn't even blink. He didn't even flinch. It was amazing. Oh, he didn't even flinch. And he didn't want me to say anything. He wanted right. to just keep going, but I could not say anything. He's like, what? What? What are you doing, man? Get back in there. Get back in there, yeah, bitch. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, Get back in there. Soft. Let's go. Yeah. K- Case, you've been so amazing with your time. Before you go, you're involved in the Miracle League of the South Hills. It's something that you and I talk about on the radio program. I love to talk to you about that. We've got some time and we've got some space right here. Can you lay it out for everybody? How did you first get involved in that? And what does that league mean to you? Yeah, Romy, it's been a great thing, man. The Miracle Leagues across the country are just, it's a wonderful program. You know, I, I tell anyone, you know, it's a special needs program for kids, uh, you know, that have special needs. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a rubberized surface where, you know, you, you, you know, wheelchairs can go on it. It's a safe surface for everybody. And, uh, you know, for me, I first got involved back in 2005, I believe. A friend of mine was building one in Dayton, Ohio, and asked me if I would come up to throw out the first pitch. And I didn't really know what it was, but I said, yeah, that'd be great. So I came out through the first, threw out the first pitch. And, there was so much joy coming from that place. You know, kids in wheelchairs, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, whatever. It was just time to it was time to play ball. You know, for everybody, for all those kids. And I was like, man, what a cool thing. And I told my wife, I was like, we should really look into maybe doing this one day because her her um, I, I had done when I was in college after I got drafted, I had some time and I ended up volunteering for a school with kids with cerebral palsy and and it really opened my eyes to you know these kids, man. That, they're really with it. They're just kind of stuck in their bodies a little bit. They're prisoners of their own bodies, right? But they're, but they're totally. Their brains were totally with it. It was just an eye-opening experience. And my 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 wife's um, sister Mandy, I mean uh, Jenny, is a is a special needs too. So it was kind of like it kind of was on our hearts for a long time. And sure enough, uh, after I was done playing in '08, uh, we started talking about it right after that. Uh, and then in, in 2009, end of 2009, 2010, I went on this like try to raise, a, it was going to be a million dollars to raise, you know, put a really a brand new facility there um, it, here in my hometown of Upper St. Clair in Pittsburgh. And sure enough, I got it going, Romy. I, 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 I went to every company you could go to. I remember the first company I went to on Highmark, I said, hey, can you give me 50000 bucks? My wife and I are putting in 50000 bucks, you know. And the guy was like, well, you know, you know, you know we don't really know what it's going to be. I said, no, I promise you it's going to be great. So the guy's like, Oh well, just give me a card and I'll call you back. Do you have a card? I'm like, I don't have. A, I have a baseball card. Like I don't have a card. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm like. I'm not like that official, right? But that's what I knew. I need to get my act together a little bit. So sure enough, you know, I lucked out. A few companies gave me a fifty grand. And what I realized is, when you're trying to raise money, money follows money. And all of a sudden, we raised a million dollars. We had a new. We had this new field built. And as of recently, in the last three four years, we put in this uh, special needs playground that's one of a kind in the country. We raised like two million dollars. We have over 350 special needs kids that play, and uh, you know we, uh, we we feel like we promote the Miracle League in a great way all around the country, and uh, it's just been one of the coolest things uh, that I've ever ever been a part of. Sean, that's so great. That is so great. You should be so proud. You and your family and everybody involved with that should be so proud. And that is such a great thing. And I always like talking to you about that. You know, Sean, you have always been so amazing to me and to the program. I've always loved having you on the program. And the great thing about having you on is I always wanted a little bit more. And that's the beauty of the podcast. You can get out and get the kind of run that you need, you know. So never mind getting hosed from left field, my man. You can get from home plate to first base in a second flat as far as I'm concerned. 
right in the middle of the World Series case. You are the best. Man, couldn't love you anymore, Sean. Thank you so much for doing that. That was such a blast. Romy, you're the best, dude. And I always look forward to coming on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. We had a little more time today on the podcast. Really cool. And I'll, I'll talk to you here soon, I'm sure. Building professionals, shouting out to you. Check this out. If you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, Lumber Liquidators Pro Plus is the only partner you're ever going to need for all your flooring needs. Check this out, too. With special pro-only pricing and dedicated support, LL Pro Plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably. You might be sweating selection or availability. Do not be. Lumber Liquidators has over 150 million square feet of flooring available with over 100,000 square feet in stock in most of their stores. Trust me, availability is not an issue. And they stock professional-grade adhesives, underlayment, molding, tools, fasteners, and grout so you can get what you need when you need it. If you're too busy to pick up your flooring, that's also not a problem because the LL Pro Plus team has got you covered. They will deliver it right to your job. And with LL Pro Plus, you can even get yourself a business line of credit. So put the LL Pro Plus flooring experts on your team right now. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales. Walk into a store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales today. Sean Casey, if you need him, and who the hell doesn't? What an absolute gem. My man's a beauty. Find me another guy who shows up like that every damn time. My thanks to the mayor. Always great to run him down, get caught up with him, and chop it up. So that now makes 56 awesome episodes for this pod. And you know I've got another 56 more in me, and then some. So make sure you're subscribed so you never miss any of them. Then take it a step further and thumb out a review. It would be huge, and it would be so appreciated. Speaking of much appreciated, believe me when I say this, I really appreciate that I skipped your voicemails last week, as I'm sure that you will really appreciate the double batch that I've got coming your way in just a second. But before I press play on my answering machine, I want to let everybody listening know this. If you want to be a part of what you're about to hear, save this number. In fact, put it right into your phone, 949-385-0447. Write this down, put it in your phone, and then drop it into your contacts under Van Smack Voicemail. Once again, 949-385-0447. Drop me a call anytime about anything at all. And if you're looking for some inspiration, you're about to get some. Catch you all next week. See you then. I'm out. First new message. Hey, bro, I'm Hendrick in Portland here. It's great to hear some jungle karma come out for uh, Carl and Luke of the Bullet Club. You need to have those boys on your podcast because it's an absolute party. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Rome. It's saving from LA. But anyway, I was laughing because I was going to do the FBI mic. Hey, I'm FBI mic. Hey, Later, dude. That's some good shit, right? Message deleted. Next message. Tim. FBI Mike. Hey, I heard uh, Mason Crosby was so upset about missing all those kicks against the Lions that he went to jump in front of a truck, but he missed that white to the right, too. Message deleted. Next message. Caught the Channel 4 News. They were doing a spot with our man, Chick Pumping Garvey. You can almost see the surgical hooks stretching Garvey's face back to eliminate the wrinkles. Yo, Garv, it's okay to be a senior citizen, dude. You don't have to look like some freaking wax cat.
handle figure. Please, brother, step away from the surgical table. Take a page out of Ron Say's book and age gracefully. War the penguin. Well, war chick pumping garb too. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, just finished listening to uh, David Faraday. I think I cried four different times. Best interview I've ever heard. Amazing person. What a great show. You rock. Keep it up. Roller coaster of life. Gotta love it. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Rome? It's Dr. Dave. Message deleted. Next message. Fan smack. Jake and Left Lane headed into Denver. Hey, I'm listening to an old YouTube video called Greatest Moments in Jungle History. And I just want to say a prime candidate for the pod, Mark Gracie. War Swamp Busters, War Fan Mail. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, LeBron. Just hung up with Rajon Rondo. He wanted to thank you for not having his back. Way to go over there and French kiss Chris Paul. In the middle of the melee. Way to not back your team, LeBron. It's already a circus. Break out the popcorn, people. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim Rome. This is AJ from Forest Hill again. But I just want to say, you're the man. I listen to you every day. I watch you when I can. I appreciate you. Everything you do is awesome. So I just want to say thank you. And uh, you're the man, big guy. Appreciate you. Message saved. Next message. Jim Rome, John in Detroit. What the fuck does Eli Manning got to do to get his ass benched? The Giants suck. Eli Manning needs to sit his ass on the bench. His time has come. What the hell? Pat Shermer, you're going to go down in flames for Eli Manning? Get the hell out of here with that shit. Bench Eli Manning. He fucking sucks. Message saved. Next message. About Hawk. Dude, has that guy ever seen anything besides. A basement. Vitamin D, bro. That shit's good for you. Message deleted. Next message. We all hate the Red Sox. Always have and always will. When the Dodgers beat their fucking asses, gonna be a thrill. From Manhattan's Rich Smackerman to SoCal Pimp in the Fox. The one thing that unites us all is we all hate the Red Sox. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. This is Wes in Wichita. Playoff Kershaw is back. Red Sox are going to sweep the Dodgers four straight. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Just wanted to call and tell you this is Madison Bumgarner's ass. I'm 9-3 and three in postseason, and that Clayton Kershaw fella, he's only 9-9, nine and nine, and his ass got rocked out. Message deleted. You have no more messages.